In this episode, I chat with Maxwell, a contributor at Gitcoin, about the transformative potential of Web3 and crypto when it comes to lifelong learning. Maxwell shares his insights on how the fundamental change in learning will be driven by two things, digital ownership and networked learning. Stay tuned as we discuss blockchain use cases beyond credentialing, various limitations of the technology, and the importance of continuously rethinking how these technologies can shape the future of education. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the EdTech Lab podcast, where we dive into the world of education technology with fellow academics, educators, and entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore the latest trends and innovations that are shaping education. I'm your host, Maita. Let's kick it off. So for those who are listening for the first time and may not know you, tell us about yourself. What do you do at your role now at Gitcoin? And then if you want, you can just jump straight into like how you got there, given your interest in education. Yes, totally. So name's Maxwell. Really great to be here. So good to see you as always. Um, I currently contribute uh, full-time to Gitcoin, which is a decentralized autonomous organization in the Ethereum ecosystem. I've been contributing to Gitcoin full-time since uh, April of 2022. Gitcoin's mission is essentially to build and fund public goods. And we do this through a variety of ways, mostly through having a grants program where we, on a quarterly basis, allocate uh, crypto to projects that are public goods. So things that are free and open source to everyone. Uh, Over the past few months, we've also been building out a protocol, which will be a grants platform for any organization or community to uh, distribute uh, capital in the most democratic way. Uh, ideally, we, we use a, a technique and a system called quadratic funding, which is a way to leverage the voices of many over the voices of a select few. So it's essentially a way to match uh, capital to donations. And we find that quadratic funding is, is what we like to think it is the most democratic way to, to op- optimally allocate funds. And we, Gitcoin has been around since 2017, uh, and the DAO has been around since 2021. Initially, what brought me to Gitcoin was a really big interest in public goods. Essentially, I think there's a lack of conversation across different industries about, you know, things that are free and open to everyone. And it's really hard to fund things that are free and, op- free and open to everyone. And we rely on these things all the time. I mean, in the real world, there's like parks and libraries and fresh air and like access to water, things like that, which nonprofits across the world kind of work tirelessly to try and support and fund. Uh, and increasingly, as the world becomes more online, there's the equivalent of those sorts of things online, which is like open source software. So being able to fund that democratically, I think, is extremely exciting to me. And it's what has brought me to Gitcoin and what keeps me going. It was a slight divergence from the education work I had done in the past, which is mostly around informal learning and evaluating programs. Um, But I I find that a lot of the DAO space is just lifelong learning and upskilling. So I think it all kind of ties together at the end of the day. It's a little bit about about Gitcoin and how I got there. Yeah, and I think it'll make more sense um, as we progress with the conversation. So, uh, I mean, this is going to be about Web3 and blockchain technologies and how that looks like in in learning. But maybe we can talk about what you think of learning first. I've heard you say in previous podcasts that you're anti-school when it comes to learning. So can you talk about that and and what what is your ideal learning state, I guess? Yeah, totally, totally. I think 
I mean, that's, it was like a semi-inflammatory thing to say, but I think generally what I'm trying to say with that is that I, I think schools are really important for a variety of reasons, but I don't think schools are the best environment for learning. I think that when you think about schools and communities, schools serve a variety of just integral functions. Like first off, let's just assume there's two parents in the household and they both work nine to five. Like, let's say they have like a fourth grade child, like that child really can't be home alone during that time. So there needs to be a way for that child to be safe and occupied during the day. So, and it makes sense for that to be essentially a free service to the parents based on the taxes that they already pay. So I think public education serves a vital function in order to keep essentially parents being able to maintain their livelihoods through, through their work. I think some crazy number, like 40% of, of students in the U.S. in public schools uh, qualify for free or reduced lunches. So they essentially, so many kids go to school for their meals. And school is a place where kids are safe, where kids have access to two meals a day, and where kids are able to socialize with their peer group and their near peer group. All of those things are, are vital to like successful and healthy human growth and development. But when I think about the ways in which schools don't work optimally and why I think generally schools aren't the best for learning is because, at least from my experience and some of the work I've done, I firmly believe that the most impactful and meaningful and transformative learning happens outside of schools. I think in places like the playground, in your friend's basement, at the movie theater, on YouTube, um, like Twitter, or Telegram, or Discord, I think all those environments oftentimes have lots more of learning potential to offer. And I think the reason they do that is through these like peer-to-peer -peer networks where essentially kids and humans have agency over what they do and how they do it. And because of that, they're able to learn about things they want. They're able to teach their friends about things that they're passionate about. And I think that schools generally are so rigid and so outcome oriented and so standardized that they really make it almost impossible to have that sort of transformative learning that you would see if you go to, you know, see a bunch of kids hanging out in their parents' basement, or you see people at a party, like exchanging ideas, creating new concepts, uh, and building the, uh, a new knowledge together. I think to me, that's exciting, and it makes me feel optimistic. I think schools are better, you know, to keep kids safe and fed and with uh, their peers. But for learning, I think there's a lot more opportunity out there. Yeah, for sure. So what I'm hearing is like schools are really good for like structural benefits, um, social, some some aspect of social development, maybe even like psychological safety for those who who really need um, who have different needs. But yeah, totally. a lot of the learning, which is often left out in institutions like a school, happen outside, and and that is like peer learning, mm -hmm. digital communities that ultimately, you know, encourage more of the lifelong learning stuff that we're seeing more and more students benefit from outside of the classroom. And so what does that, what does that have to do with um, digital native communities, maybe like DAOs, which are, which are <laughs> present in Web3? Uh, well, for those who are not familiar, what is Web3 even? How do you personally define it? Yeah, totally. Totally. So like what, what connects uh, lifelong learning and places like Gitcoin? I think it's a great, I think it's a great question. I think essentially I, I define the Web3 as being pretty much synonymous with crypto. And I define crypto as being decentralized technology that is trustless and permissionless and not censorable. So essentially having 
these protocols and uh, these blockchains that anyone in the world can access. No one can censor, so no one can stop you from accessing them. You can do it in a trustless way where you can basically exchange funds and do sorts of things on these chains without having to necessarily trust the other person you're doing it with. And you just are able to interface with a trustless protocol and permissionless. You don't have to ask anyone's permission. You don't have to like give the government your social security number. You don't have to like ask your mom or anything. You can just like go use these tools uh, and no one can stop you. And I think it's a really, really powerful primitive that I, I still think it's going to change the world once uh, these sorts of, once once Ethereum and other sorts of crypto projects materialize and fully mature, which I think we're still probably like, I don't know, 10, 5, 5, 10 years out from there. Uh, the majority of things that have happened within crypto so far and within Web3 are mostly scams and like mostly things that are just like unnecessary. Most people kind of treat crypto like a decentralized casino, which I think just like really degrades what crypto can offer. And to me, I think crypto has the potential of creating a far more equitable world where people who have been failed and exploited by the current traditional systems and regimes are able to essentially claim their own power over you know the way they interface and share value digitally. And I think that uh, the way that that can have a really positive effect in the world like can't be understated. Like right now, so many people are not able to transact online freely because of governments that censor them or places that exploit them. I think once crypto really reaches this maturity level, I think it's going to open up uh, just a lot more equity and meaningful upper mobility for people across the globe. Yeah, that was really powerful. Because but what does that I mean... have to do with learning? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I'm starting to sense, you mentioned um, crypto as a use case for like finance in terms of like how the maybe traditional finance system is leaving people out but if you think of like okay what other establishments or maybe high, maybe um, constructs are leaving people out not enough people access it not enough get the same quality of it I mean education is is definitely one of them right and learning yeah totally and that that was kind of what initially because I I've I've known about and I've like you know kind of interface and I've bought Bitcoin and stuff since you know like 20 14, 2015, but I didn't really get that interested in crypto until like the pandemic during 2020. I didn't really get that interested in like actually being involved in the space until 2021. And essentially what got me interested in the space was having this realization that crypto can change education forever. And the realization that I kind of had at that time, which was, you know, a year and a half, two years ago at this point, um, was really about how crypto enables you to exchange and own legitimate value online. So you can actually own something digitally. Like you right now you can kind of actually own stuff in real life. You have these like contracts and these people agree with them, but digitally you just like can't actually really own anything digitally. And when you think about the future of learning and how much the internet has already changed education, and especially kind of post pandemic, it's like, it's clear to everyone involved in education that kind of digitally first education is almost the assumption in most cases now. The way that learners will be able to own parts of their own digital learning environment, the way that learners will be able to have ownership over their learning, I think is a really, really exciting possibility for how Web3 will impact education. I think there's an ownership angle and the other angle is decentralized organizations, which is something else I was very excited about. During 2021, there was a lot of 
there's just this boom of like these decentralized autonomous organizations called DAOs that, you know, had just tens of billions of dollars in their treasuries and were able to coordinate all these people across the globe. And I think that that just really made me think about the way that online learning can be revolutionized through these coordination mechanisms, which are powered by crypto protocols. I think being able to connect with someone in a different part of the globe, being able to learn with them in a trustless way and being able to kind of co-own that learning is just a, a wildly exciting possibility. I've since become a little bit less optimistic that that's exactly how Web3 will impact education. Because initially I was like just so jazzed about this idea of, you know, all of these, you know, learners coming together from different continents, being able to be in like a discord, spin up a DAO, have like a learning token, deciding on what they're going to read and how they're going to learn and grow together, being able to use that token to bring in guest speakers. Things like that were very exciting. And there's been experiments towards that with like crypto culture and society and, uh, and some other learning DAOs as well that I think have showed that that works, but that there's limitations. Like there's only so much that that can do. And I think most of the experimentation to date has been very schemorphic in the sense that it just takes whatever we do normally in the world and brings it online with some like crypto elements, like taking a discussion group and making it like token gated. So you have to have like yeah. the learning token or to be a part of it. And then you get an NFT instead of like a piece of paper that says you completed the course, things like that, I think, like it makes sense on like the surface level. And it's like, yeah, of course, like that seems like a slightly better alternative than like what we do currently, but it's not revolutionary. And I don't think it's going to lead to, uh, yeah, disruption of the global education sector, the way that people were kind of touting, like, okay, if we're able to have NFTs instead of transcripts, it's going to blow the, the top off this place. I don't think that's that's actually going to change a whole lot. It's a step in the right direction, but I, I think the fundamental change from, from Web3 into education is, is going to be partially about digital ownership, but I think it's largely going to be about being able to learn in networked ways and being able to essentially uh, do what you love for a living, which is more kind of along with like lifelong learning and upskilling more so than kind of like rudimentary uh, gaming skills and that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's interesting that you brought up, you know, things that are schemorphic because how how Web 1 and Web 2 kind of transitioned into each other was taking largely in-person stuff online and that was like a huge schemorphic move. But then now we're seeing, you know, people are really leaning into Web 3 as this revolutionary thing. But yeah, a lot of it is actually still schemorphic where it's like you're just translating things into the blockchain and not necessarily you know changing the inherent uses of these things um i think one example for that maybe i've heard you talk about this is you know verifiable credentials um or digital identities can you just touch a bit about that because i think those who are in the educate the intersection of education and web3 are most familiar with that um and how blockchain uh you know can be used for verifiable credentials. Um, well, first of all, what are those? Uh, how are they going to be used in this new space? And what do you ultimately think about them? Yeah, totally. I I mean, you and I have just talked so much uh, off the, the air about use cases beyond credentialing, because I think credentialing is just like the, it's just the, like the most obvious use case. So essentially VCs, verifiable credentials and DIDs, decentralized identifiers are essentially ways to be able to 
give someone a token to represent something they've done either on chain or off chain. So an example of like an on chain thing would be being able to create and mint like an NFT. You could get a, uh, a VC that says, okay, this person knows how to mint a NFT. And then like, here's kind of the on chain, like on the blockchain history that shows that they did these actions competently and they know how to do it. So a lot of people were theorizing that crypto is the future of work and that you would have kind of these quote unquote on-chain resumes that just show all the things that you've done on the blockchain and that the organizations of the future are not gonna ask what school you went to or what you've done uh, extracurricular wise, you're just gonna wanna see your on-chain resume of like, can you interface with like decentralized exchanges? Have you kind of made NFTs, things like that? Uh, which I think it made sense for like a little bit, but I, I really don't think that that's how it's gonna play out. I, I don't think that uh, people are actually in the long run going to be so concerned with on-chain resumes. Uh, another example of verifiable credentials uh, in terms of how it might impact education is people think that, you know, right now you get a transcript from your college or your high school and you get certificates from kind of Coursera, places like that. Uh, you don't actually own those transcripts or those certificates. With Coursera, maybe they seem like a PDF or something, but with a university or a high school, you often have to pay like five bucks to be able to like see your own transcript, like send it to an employer, send it to like a graduate school or something. You don't actually own that. So the idea would be that rather than like these centralized third-party intermediaries, which are essentially like universities or schools, owning it, you would be able to have them send it to your own wallet, which you would cryptographically own. And you would be able to have basically a verifiable credential that's verified by an external party that shows that you've done XYZ thing and you own it, you can do whatever you want with that. I think that makes sense. And I think people are already starting to do that. But it's just not that interesting to me. I think it makes sense why people want to be able to own their own credentials. But I think there's just so much more than that in terms of what's possible and what we can imagine. To me, it's just like the lowest of hanging fruits possible is like, okay, let's just make your uh, credential an NFT so you can own it yourself. I, I think there's a lot of interesting work in the crypto space, particularly in Ethereum around this idea of like a soul bound token. And the idea is that these verifiable credentials and decentralized identifiers will be able to identify people in pseudonymous ways. So essentially you could have a you could have a VC that says that you're a part of a school and it won't say who you are or like where you're from or your name. It'll just say like you're part of the school. And then you can have like access to these like token gated opportunities where only people with a certain token, which is given out by a certain school, have access to these learning materials or these opportunities. I think things like that make sense and will probably become more popular as having, you know, an Ethereum wallet becomes more commonplace, which is, you know, probably a few years out. Um, and I think that's good. And I think it's, it's very helpful to have these ways to be able to prove parts of your identity without having to like dox yourself online, especially as more and more things become digital first. And as uh, it just becomes more of a concern to like share everything about yourself online, I think being able to prove that you went to a school or like took a course or have some competency uh, in like a cryptographically secure way is a helpful thing. But as I've said, I don't think it's like going to change everything forever. I think it's a good experiment and I think we're pushing forward with it. Um, but yeah, so credentials are definitely here to stay, but I think... The bigger question, which I don't see people asking enough, is like, does it matter? 
like does having a transcript even matter? Like, what does that even really mean? I, I, I'm personally of the opinion that it means not a whole lot and that there's like more meaningful ways to show and demonstrate learning. Uh, I don't know if a credential is necessarily one of them. Yeah, great question. And I think that is a question that is being asked maybe for other um, use cases of Web3 and blockchains, but definitely not um, education and how we're seeing it now. Um, totally. Yeah, so so that being said, I'd love it if you can share. I don't know if you know of any existing use cases, or if not, maybe you can paint a picture for our audience, like the future of what your ideal state is in terms of like how we can use these technologies to create that digital first ownership angle, decentralized organization um, view of, of learning in Web3. Yeah, totally. I, I, I still think that the idea of having student-owned schools is really valuable. And I think that that will probably be one of the more exciting, genuine applications of crypto. I'm thinking about schools where essentially it will be governed by the students. Right now in high schools and in colleges, you have adults and like teachers who govern, you have like a superintendent, like a high school, you have like a dean in the college and you have all these people that like essentially govern these schools. There's some colleges out there that are more on the liberal arts side that have a lot of student governance and student ownership over policies and rules and regulations but it's definitely the minority. I think basically being able to have these future learning institutions where these learners have, you know, this encoded trust that they are able to like self-govern themselves, their peers and their learning together in a democratic way, being able to vote on things via these governance tokens, I think is going to really change the way that students approach learning and that we think about learning spaces. I think generally right now, uh, students aren't trusted very often. I think a lot of teaching pedagogies are just kind of rooted in this model of uh, students like by their default are like disruptive and you need to have like rules in the classroom in order to like keep kids quiet so they can like quote unquote like learn from textbook and stuff like that. And like they shouldn't cheat because if they cheat, they're not like learning on their own. All these things, all these like rules that essentially uh, at the at the you know core essence are just about not trusting students to do the right thing and not trusting students to like have ownership over their learning. I think that's like wrong. I think that's like a pretty stupid way to think about like kids and how powerful kids are and like what they can achieve yeah. uh, on their own with each other. And I think yeah, crypto is going to enable a world where the power will be in the hands of the people in almost every context. I think in the learning context, power will be in the hands of students and they'll be able to coordinate in a decentralized way, have a community currency that they can use to coordinate and to support each other. And I think they'll be able to govern themselves and each other in a way that uh, won't rely on these like third-party intermediaries like colleges that like charge you know like a hundred grand a year just to like have a bunch of like rules for kids and like have a bunch of classes that are like required there's just all these like silly things that uh, I don't know I think I just really have a lot of faith in kids and in like young people and learners and I think that uh, they should just have more power to do what they want to do with each other and I'm optimistic that crypto will enable that. And I think it will have really positive impacts on the world and like the coming generations. 
Yeah, no, that's really great because even when we think back to what you earlier said about what are the benefits of a traditional school structure, it's things like, you know, the structural safety, social development, um, psychological safety, things like that uh, are not only going to be like, are not only going to still be present with what you said about how students can own and use crypto, but it, I think it's going to be even more powerful if students are going to be given that ownership angle, you know, they're the ones benefiting from a school structure. And if you layer on a crypto element where they can own it and be part of that, um, be, be part of like, however the structures ultimately look like, I think that's going to, you know, empower students even more outside of the learning, like even just, even just like basic needs. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think, yeah, there's still like some interesting, I've thought about this, like how young could this happen? Like could, you know, hypothetically like fifth graders uh, have like a token and then like self-govern? I don't know. I, I think we should try. I think we should see what happens. Uh, but realistically, I think probably it's like high school and college kids, but I think we should still, we should, yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of like Montessori education is like that model of like kids know what they want to do and we should trust them to like take care of themselves and each other. So I think that will be interesting. And I think it's also, it extends beyond the classroom. I think the big thing that's happening right now is just like the best possible time in the world to be able to like have a passion and earn a living online doing it. I think that's only going to get easier. I think crypto is only going to make it easier for anyone to earn a living doing what they love. I think right now with so much of, you know, operations of any given organization resulting in, you know, fiat currencies and like everything that comes with that. Like you don't need KYC to like spin up like a MetaMask and like earn some like governance tokens. Like anyone can do it and no one can stop you. And I think that once like the young generation, like the kids right now that are like, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever, and like are just now kind of growing up in the world and like a post like post like ChatGPT, like post like uh, consumer crypto world, these things are just going to be like just tools that they are fluent in from the time they're like eight years old. Yeah. I think the world's going to look so different. I think it's going to be awesome because I think these kids are going to realize like, I actually don't have to like listen to these like traditional systems anymore. Like I can just do what I love with my friends and I can take care of myself and the people I care about. And I can do that through crypto. I can do that through like earning living online. And I think just the most powerful learning from my experience and like through the work I've done comes from like caring about yourself and like the people you're around. And I'm just like very confident that in this world where kids are not reliant on traditional systems, there's gonna be so much learning that happens because they're gonna really care about themselves and their future. And they're gonna really care about their communities that they're a part of. And they're gonna teach themselves, they're gonna teach each other. And I think they're gonna do it far, far better than any sort of like paid college experience you could have today. Um, so I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be great. I think like 10, 15 years, we'll start to see it like really play out. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I know the thing that most people forget is these things, even though, you know, so many people or so many people at least, it feels like because we're in, in the Web3 space are talking about these things, but they will take time to evolve eventually um, and also hit the actual majority of the population <laughs> that, that yeah you know, totally yeah, yeah it's happening slowly I, I think it's happening very slowly and it's great because there's so many people working on on this tech so many people who are full-time thinking about web3 in like a really great way i think there's a lot of great organizations in ethereum that are doing just phenomenal work 
And I think it's happening. It's just like slow and it takes a while. And I think we have like barely even seen, I don't even know if you've seen the tip of the iceberg in terms of like what's possible with crypto yet in terms of like actual use cases. I think there's been very few, yeah, like genuine things that crypto has done like really positively. And I think that there's just so much potential and I think we'll start to see like real change happening uh, in the coming years. But yeah, I think right now it still kind of seems like a game and I think it makes sense because like not much has, yeah, there hasn't been really true impact yet, but I'm optimistic it's coming Yeah, yeah in due time. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, before we wrap up, I so we've, I want to talk about like another angle of Web3 and education. So we've talked about Web3 for education, meaning what does Web3, what did blockchain technologies and crypto, um, what can they enable in the learning space? But uh, let's touch on how we can learn about crypto and Web3 and blockchains. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things like what are the resources that people can go to? Like if the audience is super interested in this, where can they turn to? How do they understand the space? How do they even participate and onboard into the space? Can you share a bit about that? Yeah, totally. I think uh, I did a project through Kernel, which is an awesome learning community, last year mapping out a lot of the Web3 education initiatives, which maybe can be linked somehow to this. I think there's a lot of really great resources out there. I think the fact that there's such high quality resources and the lack of like traditional educational routes to learn about crypto and like a you know, kind of like a crypto native way to me is like extremely reassuring that we don't need to rely on traditional systems to, to learn anymore. I think there's all this like user generated content, all these like YouTube courses, there's these independent educators, folks um, like Sassel, for example, in the Ethereum space, there's a lot of really great content out there that people just make because they're passionate. I think there's a combination of like YouTube videos. There's like so many Reddit posts. You can go on any DAOs like governance forum, just like learn a ton about what's going on. Um, I think probably the best place to start if you're like, what? I don't even know like what Web3 is. I don't know why this matters. I would say go to like ethereum.org. I think Ethereum is uh yeah what probably one of the only crypto projects that like genuinely matters i think everything i've just talked about in terms of like governance tokens that's all going to happen on top of ethereum is like my is my personal prediction uh i think most other things uh aren't going to be as valuable uh in the long term i think uh so that was just that's my assumption but i think ethereum.org is a really great uh, educational resource Bankless is like an okay educational resource. It's like mostly kind of from the finance side, but also a lot of good Ethereum stuff. Um, And there's just so many communities. I think there's communities like Surge, there's communities like Kernel, like Crypto Culture and Society. Um, There's platforms like Rabbit Hole and like Layer 3. There's all these organizations that promote kind of this peer-to-peer learning more so on kind of the surge and like we three and and kernel and, and programs like that where essentially they're like these cohort experiences you can learn about about web3 um i would also say that the kernel syllabus is a must read for anyone who is just like what's going on with all this web3 stuff it's ethereum.org and then kernel.community, that's like K-E-R-N-E-L.community are the best possible places to start, in my opinion, to like figure out what this whole business is about. Okay, 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Maxwell. This was a lot of fun. And hopefully people learn new stuff today or at least get inspired to learn more. Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always such a pleasure and such a fan of all the work you're doing. So thanks for having me.